Welcome to Campus Connection, a Carolina housing podcast. Alrighty, here we go. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Bertram. I am the Assistant Director of Marketing for Carolina Housing. And with me, as always, is... Riley Knott, the Social Media and Digital Marketing Manager. And we would like to welcome you to Episode 9 of the Campus Connection Podcast. We've been at this for a little while now, and it's been a fun ride, and we hope you've been enjoying the episodes that we're putting out there for you. We want to be your guide for all things Carolina. We want to be that resource for you to guide you along the way and really show why living on campus is so special. We highlight the resources, the opportunities, we showcase it all. So thank you again so much for listening, for tuning in and coming along for the ride. I do want to tell you that we always want to connect with our listeners. That's so important to us. This is not a one-way conversation. You can reach out to us anytime on social media. Riley, what are those uh, platforms for folks? Yeah, on Instagram and Facebook, it's Carolina Housing. And on Twitter, it's Housing Carolina. Definitely message us, DM us, or come into the office just to say hello. Yeah, we want to hear from you. So definitely consider that. And if you haven't already, also just some housekeeping, please subscribe to the show. We put out episodes for you all year long. We're here for you telling the story of living on campus and why it is so special. So hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. We're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Amazon and Google and Stitcher, you name it, wherever you can listen to a podcast, we're there. Hit that subscribe button. That really helps us out. So we've got a great guest today, Dr. Ashley Gray. She's the Associate Director for Assessment and Strategic Initiatives here at Carolina Housing. That is a big title, but basically one of the big things that she does that we're going to explore today is called Voice into Action, where we take student feedback through surveys, through focus groups with our student residents. We want to take that feedback and we want to implement it and put it into action and lead to great things for our student residents and our campus community. It's incredibly important to Carolina Housing. So Dr. Ashley will be joining us in just a moment, and we will see you on the other side. College, it represents many things and more than just earning a degree. It's about the journey. It's about the moments of triumph and failure that shape us into the people we hope to become. You are built to do hard things, built to answer the challenges of your age. It's about lifelong friendships and the mentorship from professors that guide us along the way. College is a time of incredible growth and self-discovery. It's a time when we navigate the challenges of the classroom and the complexities of campus, forming connections with peers from all walks of life with different backgrounds, cultures, and experiences. An education being something that no one can take away. And an education becomes part of you, a foundation for your life going forward. College is about finding a sense of community and belonging. It's about discovering newfound passions, late night study sessions, and meeting a new best friend. From taking a sip of the old well to storming Franklin Street in celebration, this is what it means to be a Tar Hill and living on campus is at the center of it all. Welcome to Campus Connection, a Carolina housing podcast. All right, Dr. Ashley Gray, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. 
So you are the Associate Director of Assessments and Strategic Initiatives here at Carolina Housing, and just a, a real privilege to have you on. We, we know that you're involved in so much surveys, so much research and data for Carolina Housing, really integral to our efforts here. Can you talk about kind of your professional career background and your journey here at Carolina, kind of set the foundation for where you're coming from? Yeah, of course. Uh, so I have a really atypical background into higher ed and specifically into assessment, strategic planning, and just strategic operations in general. It all started from my undergraduate career as a soccer player at UNC Asheville. And I got injured my second semester of my uh, freshman year and I had big plans of dropping out of college. But I had a good friend of mine that convinced me to stay in school. And in that time period, I went on my college outdoor programs spring break trip, and that changed my trajectory and my life, and I got really involved in campus recreation, specifically in the outdoor field, and that launched about a 15-year career in outdoor education, where I ended up getting a master's of higher ed, but really I did that so that I could run run an outdoor program out at Washington State University, and I loved working with college students and leadership development. And I ended up being in the private guiding world, working for an organization called Outward Bound. And then two things happened. I one was really exciting. I uh, fell in love and uh, with my now wife, and I something sad happened, and I broke my back. And so when your body is your livelihood, and you break and you break it, um, you have to pivot in that point in life, as well as falling in love with somebody, all of a sudden spending 300 days under a tarp with strangers felt less appealing than than kind of putting down roots. And so I had this higher ed degree to fall back on, and that sent me to NC State, where I ran that outdoor program, and I started taking PhD classes because they were free. And that was really cool. And then from there, that's when I had to start to understand assessment strategic planning because outdoor education specifically is such a small our N, our, the number of, of students that we reach is relatively small compared to other big initiatives. And so to be able to tell our story and to get resources for the strong impact that I was personally seeing and see huge value in, I had to get savvy at assessment so I could tell our story to key stakeholders. From there, I ended up getting a doctorate and teaching some classes in, in stats and assessment education policy landed eventually after that here at Carolina, where I have been for the past six years. Well, I'm glad you made it, and thank you for sharing that. I knew, I think, the NC State part of that, but none of the background before that. So thank you for sharing. A lot of what we're going to talk about today is about voice into action, and I could do a quick intro on it for our viewers who don't know what it is, but you're the expert, so I'll let you explain what it is, how it came to be, and everything you do with it. Yeah. I think the voice into action is trying to summarize my job so other people understand what I'm doing. And I say that kind of flippantly, but and and seriously in the sense that, you know, our executive director, Alan Blattner, saw, uh, to his credit, a huge value in having an assessment person sit on a leadership team within Carolina Housing. A lot of times assessment strategic planning is, is so vital, but bandwidth and time can be really challenging as we have an operation to, to run. And so this job was created so that I could take data and specifically in the form of student feedback on surveys, focus groups, 
housing advisory board, look at national trends, look at all the different voices that influence the landscape of Carolina housing, and then plan ahead and, and into action and to, to, for the betterment of Carolina housing so we can live out our mission so that our mission isn't just some fancy words, but that is, is truly lived out and our philosophies are experienced by our residents. They can understand what we're doing. And what is that mission? What is that mission? Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to test me. Uh, What's your mission statement? To pro- provide se- se- secure, inclusive housing. Those are the convenient, lifelong friends. Those are the, the main words in our mission. Um, but inclusivity, uh, safety, and lifelong friends and lifelong skills. And in fairness, Ashley, all you have in front of you right now is the microphone. So. Yeah, I don't have the whole <laughs> mission statement. So let's let's talk about why why are we collecting this information through surveys and why is this so important? Well, you know, I know that other universities do this, but for Carolina Housing specifically, why is the feedback from our students so critical to what we do? Well, our, our students, our residents, are the ones that are living in the halls. And I know that we have over 60 professional staff who have made careers in Carolina housing um, and are well-versed in national trends. We aren't the ones that are living um, in the halls as students. And, and I think it would be a really misstep to not actively seek student voice out because they're the experts of their own experience. And so it would be really disingenuous and poor form uh, to not have residential voice as we think through planning for next year, five years, 10 years, 15 years down the road. Well, and we've been working together a bit on your strategic plan, you doing all the uh, the legwork, the data, and me trying to make it look pretty and presentable. So could you share a bit more about what the strategic plan is and the purpose of it? So I think when people think of a strategic plan, sometimes they think of a product or a piece of paper, but strategic plan in my mind is, is twofold. It is a process, it's a decision-making process, and then a list of actionable items that we hope to accomplish within a five-year period. And so I'll start first with the strategic planning process. Although y'all put me on the spot about the mission and me not having it memorized, one of the things that really stands out in any strategic plan is getting a group of individuals together to really think critically about what we do and why we do it and to have some of those debates and dialogues. And so that's where any strategic plan starts is with the mission, vision, values, um, and to take pause and stock of what we do and why we do it. From there, we end up with goals. Our strategic plan has has five goals, and those goals have about a 10-year lifespan before we'll revisit those goals again. This is You can think of it as a funnel. It's a really broad. Um, so we have a goal related to uh, social justice and diversity and inclusion. We have a goal related to facilities. We have a goal related to staff development. We have a goal related to processes and standardized processes throughout, like kind of an operational goal. And so you can think about those broad goals. And then we, from there, we have, it's a funnel. So you get objectives that go down from there. And then those objectives also have about a five-year lifespan. And then we have tangible yearly to-do lists. And that's when we get really into the weeds. And so we start with the mission and we funnel it down all the way to the our to-do list, our, our opportunities where we're actually moving Tokyo momentum um, toward this like big picture. Yeah, and actually, you and I have have talked about you know some examples of how we've actually put voices into action and how we've followed through on this effort. And really interesting for me to see 
you know, how that's how that funnel is structured and how that's laid out, where we see the feedback from students, hey, this is a concern or an issue that they've had that they've brought to our attention. And then this is how, this is the plan we put in place and the ultimate result and outcome leading to a really impactful and positive change. Can you talk about maybe some some highlights or some examples that come to mind that maybe we've done recently that kind of stand out to you? So I'm going to throw back to the first episode of this podcast when we had dining, because that is one of the areas that I'm really most proud of of Carolina housing because it's been uh, many years in the making but to try to address what some residents would call um, a food desert but just the overall less food options for South Campus residents. We know that South Campus will never be like Franklin Street um, but we heard and spent a lot of effort collecting many many years of, of data on from residents in South Campus to try to see what's the best way that we can start putting things into action to make uh, a basic need like food met on South Campus. And so this includes, you know, that resulted in some farmer's markets now that are happening on South Campus. It resulted in uh, something going into Taylor Residence Hall. I can't speak to the exact details of that, uh, but there is a hope. We'll we'll have to get Kristen back to to, to get the the details on that one. (laughs) It's like you can't be like, there's going to be a Bojangles and then everyone, you know, I can't promise what's going to be brought, but there will be something brought to to Taylor. It resulted in improvements at at, uh, Chase Dining Hall. So I think it also resulted in Ram's Head Market carrying different supplies. And so I think that that was really cool experience to be a part of. I think the renaming process, hearing our residents' voice, it was really important that residence halls were, for a lot of our residents, were going to be named after a female after we got rid of two residence halls who were named after white supremacists. And so empowering and giving an avenue to that was really helpful. And I, the list goes on and on. We've done sustainability summits and the the motion sensor lights, for example, that are going into North Campus come directly from some student feedback from a few years ago about how we could be better and more sustainable. We are currently in an eight-year, we're going to learn more about this uh, hopefully soon, um, but we're in an eight-year cycle to improve um, internet access and reliability and speed across residence halls, and that comes directly from satisfaction of internet connectivity in the halls. Mental health crisis, of which we have a, a role to play, that and some of the initiatives that we're doing around there. I don't know how long I have to speak, but those are some of the things that come to, to mind. Uh, we've got laundry services that I'm a proud of. Um, Let's talk more about laundry. You just mentioned that. I know that that was a big, you know, we've, we've got all the time to hear this because I know this was a big project. And can you kind of touch on, on, the, on the laundry project as well? Laundry's really difficult. Uh, take 10,000 residents and figure out how they're all going to wash clothes and all residents don't come to school with the same level of knowledge of how to do laundry. And so machines breaking, the number of machines, the ability to be um, a respectful human and not always keep your clothes in the and hold up the the laundry um, the washer or the dryer and we started to see massive complaints about machines just breaking all of the time and so uh, after working with our housing advisory board and going and doing our own research and trying to understand not necessarily if the the challenge is just not enough machines, but also that the, when machines break, what can we do both from an education standpoint? So how can we quickly give uh, students the, the skills to not overfill a laundry machine, for example, but also recognize that mistakes are going to happen. And so what's the best machine and the best way to get quicker help if a machine does break? And so we looked at years of data of the number of fix my rooms around laundry services, 
as well as rates of satisfaction with laundry and in different halls. And we're really happy to say that now it seems like I will never say, uh, and I don't want to be tone deaf to the real challenge that can be laundry, but we have significantly less numbers of fix my room way more higher rates of satisfaction since we put new laundry machines in every building um, last year. Well, I think context really builds understanding. So being able to look behind the curtain like this is so valuable. So on that note, is there anything else contextually or behind the scenes that you'd like students or their families to know about what we're working on in both the short term or long term? Yeah, that's a really good question. For me, if I had a magic wand, I would want to show all of the different data points that we collect and all the conversations that that inspires within housing leadership, within student affairs, within the university itself and policymaking about some of the decisions we're going to make and the complexities of it. But a reason why I want residents or, or parents to know is that, you know, oftentimes some of the decisions that we're having to make have trade-offs. And so I want folks to know that we never take any decision lightly or truly reactionary, that a lot of the things that we are planning, um, when we think about capital project planning, these are 15, 20-year plans. We're really collecting as much possible data, as much possible voice to make the best decisions with the information that we have. Um, And when you have 10,000 residents and then you get all of their family members and friends and the key stakeholders. There's so many multiple opinions about what you should do. Data really helps us look through those opinions and see what has the highest likelihood of success. And so I guess to be succinct, I would want folks to really know that everybody who works in our department, and myself included, cares so deeply about the residential experience and that no one shows up to work into complex problems, say, around accessibility, social justice, feeling secure and safe in your residence halls, having the appropriate programs that give residents the fun factor and the sense of belonging, as well as the skills to be successful. All of that is so intentional within Carolina housing. And that doesn't mean that we get it right 100% of the time, but I I would say we put an intention into what we're doing 100% of the time. So Ashley, we collect a lot of data. Can you talk about the anonymity that students have when they are contributing to this research and to a survey? Uh, What lengths do we go to 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 maintain the security and privacy of the students that are providing such valuable feedback? Yeah, again, uh, an amazing question, especially when we're talking about sensitive issues and asking for feedback. So in general, in assessment, we have anonymity and we have confidentiality. The difference being that in anonymity, the individual that is administering the survey has no way of ever knowing who responded. Confidentiality is that the person that's administering the survey, conducting the focus group, may know who that individual is, but will never report on that. And so we do both here at Carolina Housing, recognizing that individuals' own identities may come into play when when responding or feeling like they can share voice and that would be an anonymous survey and when we do those we're very upfront about it and there is no way of knowing voice the downside of anonymity is that without understanding more information about the the respondent it can be harder to maybe combine different surveys or combine actual data you know so something that i'm really interested in is why do residents not choose to live with us in their sophomore year? Who are those residents? Are they having success or not success academically? Did they not feel a sense of belonging? And if I don't have 
identifiable information. There's no way to look at, oh, did, did residents go to programs and are still not coming you know, back to choose to live with us or they were in the specific residence halls, et cetera. When we do confidentiality, I can promise that we never ever share individual responses, but only myself usually has access to that information. You just had Phil here, but my computer is different than other computers. There's a lot of security on it. There's an institutional research board that oversights all of those things when it comes to, to confidential information. But we do collect both. Well, and so much of what you do is being a translator and taking the data and telling a story with it and communicating it to the Chapel Hill community. So what do you think the biggest challenge with that is for you? Yeah, I think I'm going to go back to that same answer about the complexity. I think oftentimes I have so much uh, circulating in my brain. X influences Y, which influences Z, but there's no always causal. And so I think trying to figure out the best ways to share data in a quick way that doesn't paint an inappropriate picture. So just because we have a high rate of satisfaction on something doesn't mean that we should like pat our back and be like, oh, we're done. Because on a scale of one to seven, most residents say that they're happy with, with you know, they, they rank us high. That doesn't mean that our job is done or there, there's not room for improvement. Similarly, just because we're, we rank low on something doesn't mean that it, it's catastrophic. And so I think I struggle at points with ways that we combine different data to make decisions, which usually take Sometimes you know, think think retreats with with folks around the table saying, "What should we do?" and pulling pulling different data points in. Think, you know, years of record keeping on said retreats and on pulling those into a decision. I think I have it can be difficult to to share years of work in sound bites. That's interesting, actually. I mean, I, I certainly don't want to compare the level of depth that Riley and I go to tracking social media analytics, but it is interesting <laughs> that, to hear about that because I'm sure there's, you know, at least a small layer of, of comparison when we kind of take a look at how our engagement and reach is for our audience on, on our social media platforms. So anyway, I want to thank you so much for kind of giving us at least just the, the basic foundation. I know there's we're just absolutely scratching the surface on the levels that this stuff goes to. I do want to ask, is there anything else? that students should know about Carolina Housing or Voice Into Action? At the risk of sounding cliche, uh, your voice matters. And uh, I think sometimes it can be really, there's so much survey fatigue. The motivation to show up to a focus group, the motivation to, when there's so many different competing things that are happening, um, sometimes it may seem like your voice is going to avoid. But there are, myself being one of the primary uh, individuals dedicated to looking through your voice, that does lead toward action. And so I guess I just want folks to know that your voice does matter and to please keep using it. I really believe in the collective action and change and betterment and positive and many voices. If only a certain voice is heard, then the decision that is made because of that one or two voice may not be in the best interest of, of everyone. And so really just encourage people to keep using their voice, whether that's using, you know, filling, taking that time and, and filling out our surveys, whether it's using feedback forms and other ways, going to your commu- your your resident advisor, your community director, the housing advisory board. I know that everybody on leadership and, and community has open door policies. Like all of that gets collected and, and it does matter. I have a strong commitment with voice into action to show some of how that action, how that voice directly resulted in action. 
And Voice Into Action, just for the listeners, that is content that, you know, has been and will continue to live on the Carolina Housing website through a lot of different means that we're really excited to start rolling out in some new areas and and exploring, telling these stories through video, through articles, through social media content. So please stay tuned. Follow us on our social media channels visit our Carolina Housing website where you can really see these stories that we highlight and showcase for you. Ashley, a big question to wrap up, a big one for you, and not pertaining to any specific area, just in general, I will ask, what are you most proud of when you think about Carolina and what you do? What, what are you most proud of? Oh, you're going to make me blush. I'm most proud of that I work with people who care so deeply and who think think about the impacts of their decisions on multiple people um, in multiple ways. I, I think that's is so unique. I've worked at many institutions, and I don't think that's always there. When I say those things, I fear that we could, I could come across as, as tone deaf um, to some real challenges, and, and that's not at all my, my intention because I know that, uh, that we don't get it right 100% of the time, but I really do mean that individuals care 100% of the time, and, and so I couldn't be prouder of that fact. I think it's, it's really unique to, to Carolina and Carolina housing specifically. Well, and I think that does sum it up quite beautifully. You know, at the end of the day, we all care 100%, and we really care about making this the best experience possible for students in any way we can. So thank you so much for sharing about Voice Into Action, about what you do, all the ins and outs, and information that parents, families, and students can take forward to understand more about how Carolina housing functions. And we will definitely have you back in the future to talk some more about Voice Into Action and all that you do here. We appreciate it. We appreciate your time. And thanks again for coming on the show. Thank you all. Campus Connection, a Carolina housing podcast.